Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today's story was recorded at our recent couples event in Birmingham, and we invited back one of our storytellers to share along with her husband. We had an overwhelming response to her story when her episode aired a year and a half ago. If you go back to episode eight, you can listen to Rachel's account of how God helped her fight for her marriage and support her husband through his addiction and recovery. And the feedback that she received after that day opened up doors for Rachel and her husband, Brian, to help others struggling with addiction and even to minister to couples who feel like they're in a losing battle, regardless of whether it's addiction or another issue. So what you'll hear today is Rachel and Brian sharing together. You'll get to hear Brian's perspective on what it's like to fight addiction and how God came in and restored the spiritual order in their family. Here they are. Hey, everybody. I'm Brian Stockard, and this is my wife, Rachel. Wow, there's a lot of people here. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, when Rachel did her podcast in February, it uh, opened a lot of doors. It was it was extremely uh, overwhelming to some degree because we had uh, probably two or three calls a week, uh, somebody talking about their story and, and how they could relate to us. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the flip side of that a little bit tonight uh, and what it was like from my perspective and what we went through. And Rachel's gonna share a little bit about just her experience too. Uh, for you guys that haven't heard it, you know, a, a major part of our story is about addiction. You know, it was something that I never knew the depths that it was gonna take me to. I never knew the experience that it was gonna put me through, the, the pain that it put me through, the desperation, just wanting to be free from this, this thing that I could not do anything about. But before I get into that, I'm always, I've, I've always been told you need to open with a joke. So, it's kind of heavy in here. Um, <laughs> I'm already crying. Yeah, so there's a few guys in here, so I did this joke for the guys. Um, so, so a man's driving down the road, and uh, he notices a police officer behind him. And he, he looks back, and he pulls over, and he, he stops. And he says, what's the matter, officer? And the officer says, well, sir, your wife fell out of the car about three miles ago. <laughs> And the guy looks at the police officer and he says, well, thank goodness, I thought I was going deaf. He's been working on that for days. I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of it. Yeah, so I figured we, we, we could one-up y'all on the, on the jokes for a night. So I'm going to share a story uh, about an experience that I had about three weeks ago. Actually, it was, well, it was the 24th of May, so it was four weeks, just a month ago. So we were in Gulf Shores. We went down to the beach and we had gotten there on a Friday. We got there about three o'clock. 
and we decided we were going to go down the beach and the kids and Rachel were out playing and, and they decided to go swimming. So uh, me being my normal, I don't like the ocean self, decided that I was just going to stay up on the beach while they went swimming. Uh, some of you guys have heard this story before, but sorry about that. So they went out and they were playing and, you know, there's a lot of people down there. Uh, it was a Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I was sitting there and felt a prompt that I needed to go get in the water. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know why. I just got up and went and got in the water. And as soon as I got out there, so Bo and Lexi, Bo is my 12-year-old, 13 now, but my 12-year-old son at the time, and Lexi uh, is 10. So uh, they were out there, and, and, you know, they had boogie boards and all that. And so I get out there, and my son Bo, as soon as I get out to about waist deep, my son says, Dad, come help, come help. There was a seven-year-old next to my son, and he had gotten caught in the rip current. Okay, so when I look back, he was literally going back about at a walking pace. That's about how fast he was going back into, you know, getting deeper and deeper. So I jump in and swim after him and I get out there and you know I had this idea that you know I was waist deep when I started when I got to him I figured I'd probably be about to hear you know right at about my neck somewhere maybe well I was wrong I got out there to him uh, and the seven-year-old boy grabbed on me like I mean Hulk Hogan he was holding my neck uh, I'm not a lifeguard I do not know how to handle those situations uh, I, I went down to, to try to touch the ground and realized that I was about a foot over my head. So I immediately realized the gravity of the situation. I knew, I knew this was a bad thing. You know, we were, for Gulf Shores, we were out in waves that really you don't see down there that often. And they were, you know, breaking out deep. And I got, so I have this seven-year-old boy hanging on me. And I'm, I'm going underwater and I'm coming up and I'm going under and I'm coming up and I'm absolutely in a panic. You know, my, my, <laughs> the adrenaline and the fear that were going through me was beyond anything I've ever experienced. You know, and I'm, I'm coming out of the water screaming help, and Rachel is, you know, kind of about... I did everything know, wrong. Well, we, we both didn't do this well. So she's, she's down there, and I'm just yelling. I, I just need somebody. I need somebody to come out there where they can touch and so I can at least make an effort to get there. And when I tell you this was how dangerous the situation was, I was convinced if I had gone back underwater one more time, I would not have come back up. No doubt in my mind. Um, I knew that I could not hold my breath again. It was that desperate. So anyway, we fought and we fought and we got, thank the Lord, this guy came out and got to where we could reach his hand, you know? And so I got the boy off of me, I gave him to the guy, and we swam back to shore. It took me two, two, three hours probably to recover from that. But here's the cool part of that story. So I told you my 12-year-old was out there with us, and he was, he was just swimming along with us. You know, he was fine. He knows how to swim real well. Well, as I'm going underwater and I'm coming back up, he's there, and he's praying out loud, and he's praying to God, God, take care of my dad. Help him get back to shore. You know, and, and I'd go back under and I'd hear him again and he's just praying and he's praying. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, if I hadn't done anything right in my life, <laughs> that, that, that one was a home run. Um, so, you know, I, I want to share that story in relation to what, what my life has been like. 
You know, it was that hand. It was that hand of that guy who out of nowhere came and rescued me and that little boy because I would not have made it. I wouldn't have made it. And, you know, it's that hand that we need, you know, as I've got this weight on my back and I'm drowning and I'm suffering and I've got this kid and he, I can't get him off. It's just like what I went through with addiction. Just like it. I've got this weight on my back and I can't get it off. And I need a hand. I need a hand. You know, and, and, and that's what, what it was like. When I started thinking about this, that was actually storytellers came about before that happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess God wanted to really shake me up and give me a story to tell. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was one of those life-changing events where I'm like, you know, everything seems different now. And that's what it was like the day that I went into treatment the last time. Everything seems different now, you know, and, and it was that hand, those people who were praying and interceding on my behalf, you know, because I, I'll share a little bit of my story. Now, Rachel's going to talk after, and she can tell you how much I, you know, whatever she wants to tell you. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, I began going to uh, Church of the Highlands here really early in the early days back in Mount Brook. I was saved in 2001, and I, I experienced, a, you know, a, the, the life-changing grace of God. I had a lot of awesome people pouring into me, but there was this, there was this, this brokenness inside of me, this brokenness and, and this pain and this needing relief from that. And, and even though I, I felt like I had a relationship with God, I, I, I kept drawing away from it. You know, I kept doing the things that I didn't want to do, you know, continuing to, to go down this road that just, you know, had I known, you know, what addiction is truly like, you know, it takes you, it takes you to places you don't ever want to go. You know, it, it's, it is that painful. You know, I just never dreamed that it would do what it did, you know? And so as I'm, you know, and, and, and the funny thing about my story and it's so, kind of unique to, I guess, the recovery community. I, I was in church every Sunday. You know, I was trying and I was just, I was praying, God, please take this from me. Take it from me. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and there would be seasons and, it, and it's kind of like when I was out in the ocean and my head would come above water and then it would go back down and it would come back up. You know, I'd get, I'd get these moments of clarity and, and, and really be chasing after and just, you know, just praying with all my heart, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Thankfully, you know, it, it got to the point where, and Rachel has kind of shared the story, you know, I, I went in and out of treatment, but I got the opportunity to go back in 2013, and it was, it was one of those things that I'm eternally grateful for. I think you get to the, what, what's so funny about that story that I shared with you is, is the big book Alcoholics Anonymous talks about having the desperation of a drowning man. And, and I got that. And when I looked at it from that perspective three weeks, four weeks ago, I really understood what they were talking about. You know, it was, a, it was, it was profound. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just tell you, you know, from our perspective in, in our marriage, one of the things that I knew was wrong is the spiritual order was so out of whack. God calls us as men to be a servant spiritual leader in our house. And I knew that, but I was destroying that. You know, I could not 
be the leader in my house that God called me to be. You know, and, and what that looks like for somebody like me is it looks like a bunch of wreckage. You know, it looked like chaos. It looked like despair. All these things that I didn't want to have happen were going on in my house, you know. And I'm going to let Rachel talk for a minute and kind of just share her side of that because <laughs> that's where addiction takes you to, though. So, go ahead. Okay. My turn. <laughs> yeah, what Brian said about the chaos, our house was just not – it was awful. It There was no peace. I was so angry. I was mad. I was hurt. I was devastated. The first time he went to treatment, I was sad. But the second time, I was mad because I was like, how could we get back here again? We were arguing, and, and I was controlling because things were out of control. I'm naturally already controlling anyway because I'm a firstborn, and um, I'm a teacher. And so secularly, it's bossy. Spiritually, it's my administrative gift. So <laughs> I'm going to claim that. So I was trying to, to do everything. I mean, when I, when I met Brian, you know, I, he was... He was everything. He was everything on my list. All you girls, I'm sure y'all had a list. I had a list. He was everything on it. Check, check, check. And when all this happened, it was so devastating that it was early on the first time, you know, he sat me down and was like, I I think I have a problem with, you know, pain medication. And I was like, what? We just got married. This is not part of the plan. So, you know, we kind of band-aided it and, you know, go get better and fix this. And, you know, at that point, I didn't know anything about addiction. I just thought it was something you chose. And, you know, growing up in a house with a a dad of a football coach and, you know, my mom and dad were like, you're not sick. I got to go to work, you know, just let's go, you know, and and nobody, we just went with things. And so um, I just was like, just stop, just you're weak. And it's so far from that. And it took me a long time to understand that it's really not a choice. I knew who he was deep down, and that's why I kept fighting. It was the addiction that broke my heart, not Brian. And I knew where he was deep down. It was like I have a visual of like a, a cement shell, and just we just had to keep chipping away at getting to where he is because I knew what he was capable of. I was controlling. I was checking phone records. I was up all night. I was literally like CSI of SAV Hills. I mean, like I was like, who can I find information from about? And I was, you know, following him and I just wanted to catch him and, 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 and help him and rescue him. And we went to a counselor at church for one church service. And, you know, I sat down and, you know, he was like, how are you doing? And, and I just was going on a rant about he's not doing this and he's not doing that and he's doing this. And he, and then finally about after 20 minutes, he just listened politely and he was like, are you tired? And I was like, I'm so tired. And he was like, you are trying to be the Holy Spirit and that's not your job. And so that was so huge to me that I couldn't fix him. I couldn't help him. You know, in all of the AA meetings that I sit through and sat through and it talked about you didn't cause it, you can't cure it, and you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And so once I realized that I had to hand him over, and I was, it was just such an aha for me that I had to hand him over and let God deal with him because what I was doing was not working. It was like the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I was screaming at him and he was sad and it was just like a vicious cycle. And, you know, we had little ones and, and Morgan was, you know, in middle school and, you know, they were like, Hey, what's for dinner? And I was like, chicken nuggets. I mean, 
you know, I don't know, just figure something out. I got to, you know, handle your dad. And so, you know, they were needing us and um, it was just, it was just very chaotic and, and crazy. And I was crazy. And I remember somebody sat me down and they were like, you're just as sick as he is. I was like, I'm not sick. He's sick. He's making me sick. But I was so sick of, you know, I was sick of everything, but I was also very mentally sick. I was not well because I was trying to fix him. And once I realized that I had to hand him over and let the Lord do that, there was so much freedom and I was just able to just really breathe because I wasn't breathing. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was in just such a panic all the time, worrying and scared, being scared that he was going to die because it happens all the time. And I just didn't want that for our family. And so, you know, it's like when somebody has cancer, you don't, you don't leave. You, you continue to, you know, help him and get, help him get the help that he needed. And so, you know, I just, we just kind of both locked arms and just fought together. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I was not in my neck. Has anybody else tried to fix people before? I don't know. It doesn't work very well from what I've gathered. All right. So to pick up on this story and, and kind of uh, I, I want to share the good news, um, and, and this is the miracle of what God has done in our life, what things that we just never imagined possible. I, I didn't, you know, when I, when I stepped into treatment uh, in September the 7th of 2013, seven days before Morgan's 16th birthday, when I went in, it, it, I had made the decision that, you know what? God, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting with everyone around me. I'm, try I'm, I'm so tired of hurting the people around me, and I'm so tired of that, just the pain that I'm causing. I, I don't want to do it anymore. And when I, went into, when I went into treatment, I made the decision that I was going to do whatever I had to do to get, a, to, to get healthy and to recover. You know, and, and that was my mentality going in. I know I'm going to be sick. I know I'm going to have to go through withdrawals, but I'm going to have the best attitude I can possibly have. You know, I don't, there's not many cheerful people when you go into a detox or, you know, walk into Bradford, but I wanted to have this, this inside of my head. I, I asked God just to supernaturally give me the power to, to be positive, you know, because my instinct when I wake up in the morning, negative thoughts, negative thoughts will start firing off. And I have to, I have to consciously recognize that today. And, and I pray, God, let me be a positive person. Let me be positive in my influence on other people. So as I went into treatment, you know, that was the mentality. Um, I had no idea. I had, I had been in and out of recovery. I had a lot of things that I thought I knew. I had a lot of spiritual pride, spiritual arrogance. I, I, I was not a big believer in a 12-step program up until it got really bad. And then I became a big believer in the 12-step programs because they did for me. So, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of different things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. I'm supposed to, to go and make things right with people. Well, I knew that. I knew, you know, what the principles and tenets and things that, that the Bible teaches but I did not have the accountability to go and do those things in my life. And, and I didn't have the accountability to confess my sins. Uh, I didn't have somebody to do that with. You know, I was not willing to do that. What happened for me is God got me to that place where I was so desperate that I was, I was willing to do whatever I had to do. And that, and that, 
And, and little did I know it was all going to come back and the principles and the, and the things that Jesus taught and, and the things that I knew that I needed to be doing. But I had to have that accountability. I had to have a program and I had to have 12 steps. It, it was that important for me, you know. And so as we went through this recovery process, and I say that it is a process for the whole family for sure. And I, I, I had made an absolute commitment that I have to put my recovery before anything. Because when I start losing my recovery, I, I lose my relationship with God. I lose my family. I lose all these things that I care about. And so while it sounds kind of odd, I know that's what I have to do. So, you know, I, I, I have been since for the last almost six years, you know, I've been actively involved in the recovery community by being in meetings. Um, I have a sponsor. I have guys that sponsor that I sponsor, you know, and I want to be in a place where God can use me for the people who are struggling with addiction because I know how bad it is, you know, and I, and I know the pain and, and my goodness, this, this storytellers alone, you know, the stories that have come out of it and, and the, the, the miracles that occur and the heartbreak that occurs, because if there is a ministry that you can just get your butt whipped on a daily basis, it's recovery. Mm -hmm. Because I have watched more people who've lost their lives to this, to this disease and, and this uh, just, it, it's an epidemic like nothing I've ever seen. I just, I never knew, you know. And so part of, part of the message tonight, you know, I wanted you guys to hear that, you know, that, that uh, we live in a community where, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes we, we portray that. I know another side of that. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody's got that kid on their back that weight on their back that's sinking them. You know, it may not be addiction and it may not be the things that I went through, but everybody's got something that they've either overcome or they're fighting right now, you know? And, and so when, when I think about what I went through and that weight, you know, and it, 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 it's, it, I went, it went through my mind. All I could think about is I need that hand. I need that hand. You know, where is it? Where's the hand? And that, that, that's everybody. You know, we all need that hand. You know, I needed the hand of God. I needed, I needed my son interceding on my behalf to get, to get me to a place of safety. You know, and isn't that just like what the Holy Spirit does for us? You know, when we're in times of struggle and I, my head's coming up, you know, out of the water, the Holy Spirit's interceding on my behalf, even when I don't know it, you know, and what an amazing thing that is. But it's the, it's the victory that we get over this stuff and the testimony that we have that, that I'm, I'm so passionate about. Um, I, love, I love the guys who are just so desperate to get better, you know. And, and so I'm going to – do you want me to shut up now? No, <laughs> you're fine. I'm, uh, I'm learning from uh, you still. So, you know, I – to kind of go along our story, you know, we, we had a lot of recovery in our life. You know, Rachel had to, to mm -hmm. make accommodations because she knew that I was going to be in a meeting every day. And for us, that looked like every night. I was in a meeting every night at 8 o'clock for two years probably without missing maybe one or two nights. Yeah. And most of the time I was in a meeting during the day too. So uh, 
it, it, it is not the most convenient thing for her, but what it has done and what, what I, I, the message that I want to share is it, it restored the spiritual order in our family. God came in and gave us a way to get to where we needed to get to and restore that spiritual order in our family. And it's not, I'm the spiritual leader and I, I'm just going to boss everybody around. Um, I do that. Yeah. I don't, need to, I don't need to do that. But, but I want my, my kids and I want Rachel to see my feet. I want them to see what I do on a daily basis. And I want them to, I want to be the hand for them. You know, I want to be that hand. So when she's hurting or when my kids are hurting, I want to be that hand. You know, I can talk all day long and I can sit up here with this microphone, but if you don't see me walking it, for me, it's pointless. I, I have to be walking it on a daily basis. You know, I, I'm not willing to go back to, to where I went to before. Absolutely. I'm going to let you, you talk kinda, about that. Yeah. So the recovery piece that Brian was talking about, it, it is difficult. And there were many, many times where I was just like, do you have to go to another meeting? I mean, I just really want you home for dinner. And, you know, we had young kids and eight o'clock's just, you know, moms, that's a tough time for dad to be gone. But, you know, I just, when I, I saw how aggressively and relentlessly he was pursuing recovery and just seeing who he was becoming over time, you know, the person that left my house on September 4th or 7th was a wreck. I mean, a wreck emotionally, physically, spiritually, just, it was just terrible. And so, you know, when I would go see him at the recovery center, I kept seeing that little glimpse of of who he was. And and it was just a little glimpse. And, you know, he would say he would be in, in the detox place, you know, Brian would have gone to kinder care recovery if he needed to. He didn't need to go anywhere fancy. He just needed somebody to pull him out and put him in a place where he could start healing. So the the, the recovery piece, you know, is, is hard for us as a family, but it's worth it because of where he is. Finding a balance has kind of been our struggle early on. And even, you know, re- until recently, just, you know, maybe I'll try to do some day meetings and lunch meetings and, you know, but but when, when I get to a place where I start getting selfish and me, 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 and I don't want you to go, he just gently puts his hand, you know, on my shoulder and says, you need me to go. You know, you need me working this. And so that's, that's been, you know, an ongoing journey for us. But like you said, you know, to see the fruits of, of him working and helping that's just, that's our life. You know, when he gets a call and, you know, our kids are in the middle of something, you know, that's just, we're kind of all in it together. It's, it's not the normal. It's not what everybody does. And, you know, it, the nucleus of all of us sitting at dinner all the time is not, that doesn't look like that, but I sure would rather have that than the alternative of, of us being separate. So when he says it, it is a family thing and, you know, the kids would, would say, you know, Brian would say, well, I'm going to go to a meeting and, you know, it kind of bounced off of them for a little while. But then Lexi was in the car with somebody and they were like, you know, is your mom and dad home? She was like, no, my daddy goes to meetings so he can be a good husband and a good daddy. (laughs) And so they were like, what kind of meeting is that? My friend was like, honey, you need to go to that meeting. So, so, um, and you know, for me, I had to recover too. You know, I had to go learn and, and go sit and listen you know, the first time he came home, I think I threw a laundry basket at you mm. the first day. I was like, you do the laundry! 
You know, I've been doing it for so long, but I had to heal. And, and that's an important piece of his healing that I'm healing too. And I'm learning and growing and praying and changing and recovering myself. So, you know, we were kind of, we just made the decision just to lock arms and, and as, and as how hard it was going to be, we knew it was going to be hard. We just, we just, we're just going to, we're just doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so one, one of the things that I wanted to cover and, and I wanted to challenge each one of you, you know, I talked about being the hand, you know, I, I, I needed a hand. What we miss in, in our lives is we get so much pride that we're not willing to go to our, our friend and somebody that we trust and go and say, hey, I've got this seven-year-old kid holding on to me like a spider monkey. I need somebody to get him off of me. I need to talk to you. You know, whatever that weight is, you know, it's, it's not addiction. It doesn't have to be addiction. It doesn't have to be, I mean, you know, we all have struggles. We all have struggles. And the thing that I've learned over the years is all of these things, God put us as, as, as people who, who want to c- connect with other people. God made us in the way that we need people. And so while I always needed that hand, I've got to be the one that, that provides a hand for somebody else, you know. And, and so I want to encourage each one of you, you know, if, if you're struggling with something, I, I can guarantee you with the, the people that I've talked to, I can put you in contact with somebody that's probably going through what you're going through. I don't care what it is, seriously. And we, um, we made, you know, through all this, even in the worst parts, you know, we said someday we're going to help some people. You know, we knew that. And, you know, while we probably didn't sign up for addiction, that's what we were dealt. But we knew that if we would just trust God and we would just, you know, I, kept, I had the verse, trust in the Lord and lean not on your understandings, but submit your ways to him and your paths will be right and straight. We just, all we had was trust in him and trust in what his word said. And that was truth. That wasn't a story. So we just, you know, we said we are committed to supporting people. And, you know, I didn't really have anybody to say, hey, here's this number. Call this treatment center or here's somewhere that he can go after. You know, we we want to be able to connect people and take the heart out of it. You know, it's hard enough to go through it, but it's hard enough to go through it by yourself. And, you know, we, we made a commitment to, to relentlessly help people but you know you have to ask for it and and talk about it i think that's where we all try to have these facebook instagram lovely lives but we have to have a few people that we're we're really transparent with and and that's the only way that we got through it was our family and you know our friends that knew there's no reason that we are standing in front of you today without jesus no reason and our family and people that loved us and prayed for us and like brian said and you know interceded for us people that i didn't even know were praying for us regardless of all the addiction you know we had the financial tornado you know and there was just you know cards would just show up in our mailbox i remember one time we got like a box of food with a fish and a piece of bread and i was like i think jesus came here today (laughs) i mean but just we didn't we're just we're like you know lifting up and barely but people are just loving on us the whole time and so that's that's that is why we're sharing our story. I mean, even as a young child, I've always been a talker. Everybody at work's like, Rachel, you tell too much. And so he knew I was a teller and a talker. And so he knew that, you know, that's I'm going to tell that joke. Yeah, that's, why. <laughs> that's exactly why it was pointed at me. But, you know, we we want to be that for 
anyone, and it, it doesn't have to be just in our community. You know, we want we want people to have a place for help. And I, and one thing, you know, to share the rest of the story, you know, God has done so much in my life that I never dreamed would have been possible. At two years sober, I was sitting in a cocaine anonymous meeting, which is a a great meeting for all substances. Everybody that struggles with anything is welcome there. And and I was sitting there, and 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 God had really put it on my heart to to start exploring Highlands College. As as Rachel said, we had been through just the financial ringer, you know, and and that's where my addiction had taken us. God opened doors for me that I never anticipated being open. You know, I, I was, I guess, the last day of registration for Highlands College. I went into that meeting. And some guys from that meeting had had raised the money for me to go to Highlands College that first semester, and it absolutely, it absolutely blew me away because I I, I always sit here I'm like what is God what do you want me to do, you know I, I can't go to Highlands College I can't pay for that right now, you know we I, I've I've got to be financially responsible to my family, and and try to recover some of this wreckage that I've created, and God provided a, a way for me to do that in, in a way that I never, you know, with it, it, that move, that, that group is a ragtag group of awesome people, but I never dreamed that, that, that blessing would come out of that. And, and what it did is it led to, you know, I, I ended up graduating from there a year and a half ago. Is that right? A couple mm-hmm. years ago, really not knowing what the plan was. You know, I, I'd taken a job when I got into recovery that could keep me close to home. And I just kept asking God, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. You know, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm sitting here and I don't know, you know, I know you've got a plan for me and I know where my heart and my passion are. My heart and my passion are for those guys that are still suffering from drugs and alcohol. I know that. I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Again, that was two years ago when I graduated. So really a four-year process, you know. And I didn't know it. And what God has done is he's put me in a position, you know, where I, I actually was able to, I started a week and a half ago working for Turning Point Foundation, which is a faith-based 30, 90-day program. There's about 30 guys there that uh, is basically, you, you know, everything that I went through. You know, these guys are just like me. And God opened that door that I never dreamed. I, I, I just did not. If you'd asked me sitting in treatment, what are you going to be doing in six years? That was so far off the radar. Like it just, it is mind blowing to me. And, and I think it, it happened when I became willing enough and humbled enough and had, had gotten to that place where I don't know the answers. God does. I'm going to trust him with whatever it is that he wants me to do. And man, it's it's blown my mind so far. I mean, it is you know he has really opened doors, and I you know I just I'm so grateful for this. I, I I was thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for however long it's been since we've been asked because it's so different for me. I I normally talk to you know alcoholics and drug addicts, and and it's a lot different. You know, I tell a whole different story when I'm talking to them. This is G-rated. <laughs> I've never heard him talk this much in my life, really. <laughs> So I, I'm guessing that we're probably way questions. out of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are going to open it up for questions. I know it's a big group, but we always love to for people to ask questions. And they're an open book. We are. So. Anybody? Too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, mm-hmm. could you explain what the 12 steps are? 
Absolutely. Good question. So, <laughs> the 12 steps are a, a, they were written in 1935, and they are a, uh, basically, a 12-step system, a 12-step program that you go through when you get into, when you go into recovery. Yep. I'm sorry. What it does is, first, it opens my eyes to, to who God is. Um, I go back and I clear the wreckage of my past. Uh, I begin to work on the things that they call them character defects, things that keeping me from who I who I truly could be. You know, opening my eyes to the to the defects that I have, and going out and making restitution, and then carrying that message to somebody else. That is a very simple, <laughs> simplified version of that. But yeah, for me, you know, I I am very uh, open with people who. You know, I, I grew up in the church. You know, I told you guys, I, I I got saved in 2001, and I had this idea that everybody grew up in a church, and everybody just was just like me. And what I've learned through AA, it, it has become a powerful opportunity for me to, to be there, and not necessarily to witness to people, but to let them see, you know, what that looks like from a from a Christian perspective. However, I am, you know, I, people need to be where they're at. And, and I think God uses those steps a lot of times to get them to the point where, you know, they can begin to have a relationship with him. He didn't do it the first time he went to treatment. And I think that obviously was a, you know, a difference in between the first, you know, it was kind of like, I'm good. I believe in Jesus. But, mm. it, you know, the accountability was missing. The that, you know, I was like, aren't there supposed to be a place where you make amends to people? When's that step coming? He was like, ah, I think I'm good. I was like, I think I remember that in there. Yeah, it provided structure was a big part and still does, still Mm -hmm. does. I wish the church sometimes, you know, and it could provide that structure. And we're doing, you know, and and from a recovery standpoint, we've actually started some meetings at the Highlands Grandview campus, you know, that are 12-step, but faith-based 12-step. Um, groups and they look a lot like AA have been really awesome it's been cool Tuesday Wednesday Thursday night starts at 6 30 <laughs> yeah so all right what else anything else yeah I'm married to uh, Rachel's uh, mom and uh, I just want to thank both of you for doing this for Morgan and Bo and Lexi thank you thank you no I, I sincerely from the bottom of my heart I think uh you know, as somebody that's in recovery and has been able to kind of eyeball Brian for as long as I have and just kind of what, what kind of role model you are, uh, not only to myself, but so many other people, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Was it hard to reach out to the ones that were closest to you sometimes because of, like when you were first going through it, like your buddies that you grew up in high school and everything, was it harder to reach out to people like us? Just when I got sober or, or whatever you not not really for me you know our our group of people our our friends i I never felt that shame with my friends because i've always felt like there's an unconditional love we had a i I think a unique group of people you know that i wasn't really concerned about being judged by y'all because i i knew that you already knew how crazy i was so you know i wasn't concerned about that but yeah i you know i I can't hide this and be and be successful in helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. And and I always have felt that way. You know, and, and there is some anonymity and I, I'm 
I, I would like to protect other people's anonymity, but mine, you know, I, I can't be as useful as I need to be when I'm not telling my story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't experience that with y'all. <laughs> not really. There is a lot of shame. I mean, yeah, yeah that, you know, talking about shame, there's a whole lot of shame in the eh, ew of what was happening in our house. You know, there was times where I would go to the grocery store and I had $20 and it was like, I need diapers, I need milk, I need bread and I need turkey. And, you know, that that's not something we talk about in Vestavia. You know, that's not something you post on your Instagram. Going to the store with $20, I got to get seven things, you know. But, you know, that's where talking about it and, and having a place that you can go to somebody when you are in shame, but it's not shame, you know, it's, we felt it and I felt it, but I don't want people to feel it, but you just do. And so I love what Pastor Chris says when he says, we all got issues. If you, if you think you ain't got no issues, that's, that's your, your issue. issue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have a daughter that is, is, has an addiction and she has, she started going to church with me some and she's doing it on her own. Mm-hmm. What, what do I do? I mean, do I start coming to the, the classes on Thursday without her? I mean, it's, she is doing a whole lot better, but I know she's doing other things. Well, the first thing you do is you pray for her and, and, and there, there's not a lot there when, for me, there was nothing that Rachel or anyone could do other than to make things difficult. <laughs> really difficult. Yeah. Really difficult sometimes. But that was not going to stop me. You know, and, and, and now if she's sober, I'm not telling you that my way of getting sober is the yeah. only way by any means. And, and I share that just from my experience. Um, I know people who have been sober for a long time who've never worked the steps. And I say that because I think everybody is different. Everybody, you know, I couldn't get the accountability that I needed. I couldn't get the, the just having that network of people and the fellowship. You know, nobody understands me like another alcoholic or drug addict. Nobody. You know, they know exactly what I'm going through. And I can go into a room, somebody who's in active addiction, and I can tell them exactly what they feel like and nail it every time. You know, but from that, from what I'm telling you, everybody's different. For some people, that absolutely is the answer. I needed both. I needed I needed God and I needed people. Y'all are obviously pretty open with your kids. So, like, how did you talk about it in your family and how open? That's he's my Yeah. <laughs> well, for well, Morgan was older. I mean, she was in high school. So, you know, I mean, she would hold my hand in church and watch me cry walking in the doors. So she, you know, she kind of saw a lot more, obviously, than the little ones did. The little ones didn't really know. They were just, you know, younger. Um, Brian traveled a lot with his job, so the, the lapse of time really wasn't that big of a deal. But as they've gotten older, and actually when I shared in February, we kind of sat them down and gave them like another layer. You know, it was daddy goes to meetings to be a good daddy and a good husband. And then it kind of, you know, we put in a little, a little more of a, you know, not the down and dirty, but just another layer of, of truth that they could, you know, digest or whatever. So, For me, the, the problem isn't really the important part of it. You know, I, they know and, and Morgan knew 
that I had some things that I had to work out. You know, she knew I wouldn't be here today. I, I, I know for a fact that I would not be alive had I not gone and gotten help. But my kids, hopefully Morgan and hopefully the other two younger ones, see a, a solution. They don't see, you know, they just know that I had to go through something. Just like I said earlier, we all got to go through something. Mm-hmm. Mine just was a little crazy, a little nuts. <laughs> Yes. yes. Well, I know that your kids are going to, they're going to see y'all, excuse my French, as badasses. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, as a child of addiction and going through that as a child and seeing, I saw something totally different. So seeing mm-hmm. what, how y'all handled this and you being the way that you have been, your kids are going to respect you like like and you're not Jesus I'm not saying that but like I mean you're up there and the way that they saw you fight for your marriage yeah and um and going through that I think it's well I just I think another word for it because it's totally different than what I yeah had to go through and and see and your children will, will and some y'all in so many ways that you will never thank totally you even understand thank you you know, talking about, you know, our marriage and, and fighting, I just, I didn't, I, and I talked about this in the in the earlier podcast, is that, you know, because Brian was getting help, that's why we I continued to stay and fight. You know, it would have looked different if he just was like, I'm not going to stop. But because he was, that was just, I just, I didn't want our family, I just didn't want our family to, to, to break up. I didn't want someone else putting my kids to bed on Christmas. I just, I just didn't want that. And so I was going to do whatever it took to, and I knew if we both wanted to do that, that God would, God would be there and, and, and get us through it. So it doesn't always end that way. That's just how ours did, thankfully. I ain't over yet. Right. <laughs> wow. This is a marriage We're still growing. Podcast. We are. And we, there. listen. We have let, not arrived. Let, let me be clear. Yeah, uh, we, no. we got, we got we an argument about that, this hat on his head. I said, yeah. we're about to go to a marriage thing. I'm not going to fight with you about that baseball hat on your head. I mean, we're alive in Jesus' name, and you can wear that stupid hat. I don't care. No. What? Yeah. We won't get into that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things that drives me, for, for me, I have a absolute heart for the people who struggle because I've watched, and, and, and Michael can relate to this too, I, I've watched so many people lose their life to, mm-hmm. to drugs and alcohol. Never, never dreamed what it, I, I just had no idea. You know, and I think we live in a pretty sheltered community when it comes to that. I mean, y'all, you, you don't understand how people are falling out all over the city. I mean, all the time I, I almost hate getting on social media and finding out somebody else that died you know that's how bad it's gotten so you know when I started this job one of the things that I've said is I will do everything in my power to, to stop this from happening if I can say not save somebody but just prevent all these deaths you know I, I'm just tired of watching people die you know and it keeps it keeps me motivated on a daily basis to do everything I can for one person, just to help one person and do something for one person, because that's my heart with that.
I will ask for forgiveness for my potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> they can bleep that out. I've never heard those kind of words. I feel like we're in an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Yes. Were you in denial for a while before you came to her and admitted, I need help? Oh, yeah. Years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So y'all were not even married. He had well, I mean, he, you know, we got married mm -hmm. in June and, and he sat down and said, I, you know, I think I have a problem. And I was like, well, you go fix that because we just got married and I have a list of things to do that are supposed to be happening right now. So <laughs> come on. Let's be clear. The problem that I had back then paled in comparison to how bad it eventually yes, got. Yes, 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 yes. That, that was like, you know, That was like level two. This was, you know, the <clears throat> 2013 version was yeah. negative so, uh, 100. Denial, you know, we all think that we're, we're not, you know, I used to think that I was special. I used to think that it couldn't happen to me, you know. And here's what happens for somebody like me. When I, when I start to put a substance in my body that's mind-altering, it gives me that feeling that I that I long for. You know, I feel more social and I fit into places and, and all these all these things that I thought I wanted, you know, because I was trying to cover up something in my heart that I, I just didn't know, you know, but but those did that for me. That made me feel special and different and and I didn't know, you know, I was back then, I mean, I was so green when it came to what was actually going on. Uh, we both were. But l let me just tell you the snowball effect of it. You know, that's the part. You know, when I say the disease of addiction, I know people, you can debate it all you want to, but I've, I've experienced it firsthand. I have experienced the disease of, of addiction, the, the snowball. You know, it got to that point where I didn't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I'd wake up every day. I'm not going to do it today. And I wouldn't make it five minutes you know, if that long. And, and it got to the point where there was no option. There was no option anymore. I had to do it on a daily basis. I had, I had to have something in my body that was mind altering every day. And it, it's, it's not fun, not fun at all. Mm, we got real. We <laughs> <laughs> did get real. All right. You may or may not have picked up on the comment that Rachel made that she and Brian knew if they trusted God, he would one day use their struggle for good and to help others. When we're in the middle of a battle, and I'm sure some of you feel like it's a full-on war, God's ability to redeem our mess can be our hope and our lifeline and our motivation to keep going. Next Wednesday, we'll have another new story to share, so be sure to subscribe to whatever platform you use to listen, and you'll be reminded when the episode releases. You can also get the latest news on our social media outlets and we're Storytellers Live or on our website, which is StorytellersLive.org. Thanks for listening and we hope that you'll join us again soon. <laughs>